I want to talk to you tonight about something that I've been looking into for myself, and I think is very important for us at this, this hour that we're in with the Lord, and I guess I'd title this, Six Steps to the Throne. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew 26, kind of find a context for this and set this into our day and age that we're living in. This is when Jesus went to the garden with his disciples, and he uh, sat them down there. He went a little further and set Peter, James, and John down, and Verse, um, what is it, 20 or verse 30, something other. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 38. It says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This was part of uh, a message that I preached up. And this, this, I shared this scripture, not as a text or anything, but just in passing. And when I did, it just kind of something clicked in my, in my spirit at that time of preaching. And that we're really living in this, this day and hour that we're living in is a time of when people are sleeping. Uh, it's, a, it's the Laodicean time frame, dispensation, which is a dispensation is an allotted time, an appointed time. And so we're in that last period of when there's a falling away, there's lethargy, complacency upon Christians. And, you know, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. We want revival, we want this, we want that from God, but it's like... But, you know, it's just like, for some reason or other, we just can't, can't make it, you know? And this, to me, is a picture of, uh, that happened then of what's going on now. And, boy, I don't want the Lord to come back and say, sleep on. You know, he, he comes back again, and he says, uh, comes back to him, he says, sleep on. My, my captor, here comes my captor. Here comes my, uh, you know, the, my betrayer. And, um, you know, in Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, he that sleeps, sleeps into the night. The night season that he's talking about there is the tribulation time. We can't afford to be asleep. We need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to be watching and waiting for the Lord. And I think that this, how can we do this? It, it takes daily discipline. We need something every day. You know, it's easy. Falling away doesn't just occur usually in one big hit. I mean, there are traumatic things, but sometimes those traumatic things can push us closer to the Lord. Most, more than not, it's these little things. It's these, you know, it's just, uh, it's like maybe if you had a, um, an exercise routine and maybe, you know, you just kind of started kind of getting away from a little bit of it, you know, a little bit more each one thing this week and then next week something else changed. And before you know, it's like, well, you, you don't have time for that. You know, I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so, you know, and then, so we just kind of slip away from it and, and I think that that happens in our spiritual discipline as well. So what I'd like for us to do is something that I've done in my life for probably, I, I consciously remember doing this from the time of about 1980, uh, 1981, and, and begin to make it part of my, my prayer time. And um, I remember I, I read a book from Larry Lee. He was... Uh, pastor at Church on the Rock at that particular time in, up in Dallas, and he's gone on since then. He, he wrote this thing called, Could You Not Tarry? 
and um, taken from this passage of Scripture about where Jesus was asking, could you not wait with me? Could you not watch with me for one hour? And it was a challenge then about, couldn't you at least pray one hour a day? Can you pray one hour a day? And so, you know, sometimes we think, and it depends on where we are. Sometimes we're praying and we're looking, 12 minutes, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and, you know, there's so many things. I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times as, as I start to pray, I start thinking about everything I need to do, and I need to do this, and I need to do that, and here it goes. And, and so I'd even maybe keep something close at hand so I could write that down, but the problem was that I was writing down all my daily schedule. And uh, but I was there to write down whatever I heard from the Lord too, but, you know, it's kind of like the Lord just kind of stepped back and said, you know, so what are you going to do? Are you going to do that, or are you going to come in my presence? And I'm like, well, you're not ta- when you start talking, I'll start writing. <laughs> Oh, boy. It's a wonder I'm still alive. It really It's a wonder I'm still alive. Um, and the Lord, you know, it's kind of like, I don't need to talk to you if you're going to be messing around with your stuff. If I don't have your full attention, then I don't, need, I don't need any of your attention. And so I began to make some changes in my life. And so I, uh, I heard this, and it was a pattern. Dr. Youngi Cho, he pastors that little church in Seoul, Korea, 750,000 people, something like that, you know. They've had um, various... Um, prayer type things and and he this was a i think this was one of his patterns as well and had and, and everybody kind of has uh, breaks this down a little bit different way but uh on the 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 lord's prayer is what it's called it really should be called the disciples prayer you can break that down or break it down into six parts and then use each one of those for 10 minutes to move along through and that's why I call it six steps to the throne and again i've uh you know you can expand this i've had it where <laughs> I spent one whole day on number one, the second day on number two, the third day on number three. You know, make this into a, a six-day prayer type thing. You know, you can just broaden it as much as you want to. But the, the, I think the minimum is, could you not watch for one hour? So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, church. Could you not watch for one hour? Could you not pray for one hour with the Lord? So, you know, I guess there's different ways you could do it. I, um, I try to do it in one block one 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 lump time but i guess you could do 30 minutes in the morning 30 minutes in the evening or whatever wherever you find it or lunch hour wherever you can find your time you need to do it one thing about this by breaking this down into six different points you can always pick up and take it again like i said i've been out deer hunting and spend one whole day on one one portion here you know and so you might want to open to matthew chapter 6 and uh, verse 9, I think, is where the, the, the prayer starts. And let's take a look at this. Let's break it down. And I'm just going to share with you some thoughts. But here's the thing. This is not hard and fast. You have got to adapt this to yourself, to your, how you're going to remember it. You know, when Jesus gave this, this is, he, he said, it basically was like, pray like this. And, and he gave us a pattern for prayer. He didn't mean for us to just uh, memorize this with rote, rote memory and just say this prayer off and that that was going to do it. He, he said, this is a pattern for prayer, and follow this pattern. And so that's what we need to do. And, and um, so you, you make it work for you. And uh, it starts out, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the first block, how I block it down. And, and I call it step one. Step one is praise. I enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. I come to praise him, our Father. One thing about it is, and you've heard me mention this, uh, at uh, maybe in our services when, when we pray and when we join hands together. You know, when you say, our Father, 
it's, it's incorporating there's more than just me. It's not my father. This is our father. So the, he makes this statement to remind us that we're not in this thing alone. Now, that right there helps me <laughs> because a lot of times I think, one, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows what I'm going through here on this one today. You know, if somebody just knew. No, he says, our father. So there's somebody else somewhere, <laughs> somewhere that has some challenges, probably more than what you or I are going through. So it should remind us that we're not in this thing alone, that uh, we, are, we are in the family of God, and that he is our father. Now, I could literally expand this teaching for, to make it into six weeks or however long, because you could spend a lot of time just on the attributes of a father. Um, you know, and some people might have some, uh, maybe just some misconceptions about the word father, or maybe in their own personal relationship that they've had some, some difficulties. But, you know, what... What is our Heavenly Father like? You know, well, He's a creator, and He's a, a friend and a counselor. Just some things I jotted down. I've got scripture references to go with this, that we won't turn to all these, so maybe we can make it through here. But He's a, a comfort and mercy there in 2 Corinthians 13. He's the Father of forgiveness in John 8 and, and in Daniel and Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. He's the Father of love, John tells us in John 16. So a lot of things, and you can go through, and you just as it comes to you, because most of the time, and you can have your little outline there, you know, to help move you through each step to the throne, but you've got to make this thing real. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It has to come from our spirit. Our, uh, God is the spirit, and, and uh, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so he's seeking true worshipers. And so this is what we want to be in our prayer time is a true worshiper. And so we come out, and so then you begin to think about, wait a minute, he's the creator, and so what, you, what is it that you need that day? I mean, maybe it's a creative miracle in your, bo in your body. Maybe it's something, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's your vehicle that's broke down and like, God, you can fix this, you know. I mean, I've seen that happen before. And, um, or, you know, maybe you, you just feel like that, that everybody's abandoned you. Well, he's your friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, you know. And, and um, he's a counselor. He's a guide. He's your comfort. He's the God of forgiveness if you feel like that you messed up. And, you know, like, oh, my goodness, you know. Uh, I, and you're full of guilt. Well, just realize that he's the father of love and father of, of, of forgiveness. And so you move through that, and then as you're moving, what you'll find is really a lot of times the 10 minutes on each one of these sections is not enough. That's what I think that you'll find. Don't be so um, OCD about the time. I mean, if you need to spend a little more time, you know, on that, on, you know, if you don't get past father, you know, and that takes you a whole hour, two hours, three hours, one day, two days, that's okay. Let the Holy Spirit move you. Okay, don't get so locked into it and so rigid. Um, but this is just something to help us to be able to go because most of the time it's not, we don't have the problem of spending too much time. We most of the time have the problem of not being able to last <laughs> the hour, right? Uh, so hallowed be thy name. What does that word mean? Hallowed means to, uh, to sanctify, to set apart, to, to be praised and adored. So uh, hallowed be your name. And so this is where, man, when you're coming before him like this, you know, and again, we, we have this attitude that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's why we're there. We are before the throne of grace. And we say, our Father, uh, which art in heaven, you're there. You know, you're overseeing it all. I, I hallow your name. I, I set your name apart as holy over me. You are my provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. And then you just be, go through the names of God and, and meditate upon who he is. And if, if you have a financial need, you know, as you begin to declare who he is, 
You know, it was, and then you anticipate that he, he responds. And if he is Jehovah Jireh, what does he do? He provides. He's my provider. So you see what's happening is, is as we're before his throne and we are praising him and exalting him, what's really happening is we're getting full of faith. You see, to move to that next step before the throne. And we, I don't know, I start to get excited about it, you know. Um, and so we, you know, we, uh, for instance, Jehovah Jireh, or maybe it's Jehovah Rohi. Maybe he's your shepherd. He leads us and guides us. It's, that's a security. He, he, uh, he'll lead us into to green pastures. And maybe you want to meditate upon the 23rd Psalm and just look at that for a while and see about the shepherd. Or, uh, you know, maybe there's turmoil in your life and you, and you begin to hallow his name and worship him. He is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He is peace, peace that passes all understanding. You know, that my mind is, is worrying about how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that? How am I ever going to make it work? You know, and what can we do now? And here we go, you know. But yet, when I begin to magnify him and, and hallow his name and exalt his name, that he is Jehovah Shalom, my peace, that peace can pass the understanding that I have here, the worry and the fear and the anxiety, and I begin to exalt him. You are my peace. Uh, he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals thee. Lord, I thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha. There's nothing too difficult for you. And see, even in, through this, if this is where you can, can graft in those that you're praying for and, and you're interceding. Uh, so we're coming before him. And, and so you can say, you know, Lord, I thank you that your healing is, is you are the one that heals. I'm not going to worry about, you know, this loved one or this one that's near to you or dear to you or whatever, because you are the healer. I put it into your hands. And there'll be times that we're on over where you can actually petition and, and intercede for various things, but you are, um, you're exalting him. You are Jehovah Shammah. You're an, you are there. It means Jehovah is there. Where? There. <laughs> Where you need him. He's an ever-present help in my time of need. You know, uh, he's at that there place. There is a place called there <laughs> that we need to be sheltered in, the, in his arms. We're in the, the secret place of the Most High. He is Jehovah Shammah. I even like that. When you say Shammah, it's like, yeah. You know, I mean, it just feels like you're you're really getting with it, you know? <laughs> you know? Jehovah Shammah and um, Jehovah Nisi. He's our, he's our banner. He, his banner is over us. And, you know, what they would do in the midst of a fight, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat, sometimes you get turned around. You wouldn't know, like, wait a minute, we're going this way or we're going that way. Well, which way are we supposed to be going? You know, where's, where's my troops? Did they already, am I out here by myself, you know? And so what they'd have is the banner, the standard, and it'd be up here high so you could look around and you could, you could gain your direction, and you could rally, and everybody would rally around the banner, the flag, and they'd rally around, and they'd make this charge. And so sometimes, you know, we're in the midst of the battle, and we've been fighting. We don't know which way is up. We don't know which way. It's like we're just so fatigued and, and don't know which way to go. And so all we've got to do is look to Jehovah Nisi, and we can rally around him, and his banner over me is love. And then all this, that we know that he's there with us, and he sticks with us, and now we can rally around him, and we can go forward. So you just begin to hallow his name. Um, uh, Jehovah uh, Makedesh, he is uh, my sanctification. He's the one that sanctifies me. He sets me apart. If the devil's trying to bring guilt upon you for something, you can say, well, I thank God that uh, I can, Lord, I hallow your name today. I set your name apart, that you have set me apart. You are my sanctification. You're the one that does it. You're Jehovah Tzitkanu. You are my righteousness. Now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So whatever it is, that you are in need of that particular day, at that particular time, as you begin to magnify him, he will strengthen you. He has character. 
He, he has a supply of character and glory for every situation and circumstance that you are in need of. And so you go through that. And we've probably already been more than 10 minutes right there on that part. And so just begin to pray and, and uh, exalt him. The second thing, as you go through, the second step is, the first was, was praise. This is priority, kind of how we get things in priority. And that's where it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So you start out and you say, Father, I thank you that uh, you have given to me dominion and authority. Whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I thank you that uh, your kingdom be established over my household, over my family, over my kids, over my son, over my daughter, you know, over my job. Your kingdom, your rule and reign be set up, be established. Now, we are God's agents of victory. What we say, you know, uh, carries weight. We speak it with authority. So therefore, if we are saying, your kingdom come, we are establishing that. We are prophetically declaring that. And so this is the time when you go through and you spend the time of your kingdom come and then your will be done. You know, in my life, Lord, search me, O God, and know my ways. If there be any way in me, any wicked way, any self-centered way, and not my will, but your will be done. And you go through there and you work through yourself and then your loved ones and just work it on through and pray for whoever the Holy Spirit prompts you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your will be established, not my will. Yours be done. You know? And so you, you work through that and, and look at it personally and, and let that, his kingdom rule and reign over you and search your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to do an inventory and see if there's some place where you're trying to rule and reign. You know, this is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. It's where you get off of the throne and you allow him to be on the throne. And uh, you, you know, you remove yourself. And so start out, first of all, with, uh, personally and, and, and just, you know, how is the king ruling in my life? And uh, let the Holy Spirit tell you. Do a sober look, a somber look. Then into your family. Let it spread through, you know, his kingdom. How is it working through the family members and, and his will? And then through the church. Pray for the church. Lord, your kingdom, your rule be established over our church. And if the enemy's hitting in some particular ways, you know, bring that before the throne. And, uh, Lord, help, and pray, Lord, help us to be able to uh, shut that thing down. You know, it's your kingdom, your rule, your reign. And how dare the, the devil come and assault us this way? Or, you know, pray for members of the church in various ways like that. Pray nationally. Pray for those that are in authority over us. We need to pray for our leaders. And you can pray internationally. You can pray for those around the world. However the Holy Spirit directs you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And so as we're saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in a sense we are seeking his kingdom to be established, not my kingdom. And so then all of these other things, they're going to be added. So we're in alignment with him. Number three, give us this day our daily bread. Now we move from adoring him to asking him now for something. Now we're going to ask him, Lord, give me today my daily bread. And, you know, I, I like Jabez. He says, bless me. Bless me a lot, <laughs> you know. Lord, uh, bless me. And what I really want you to do is bless me a lot. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. But I'm not going to settle for anything less than what you have for me. I'm not going to ask you for anything more, but I'm not settling for anything less. A lot of times we, we get to bargaining with the devil. Well, you know, if I could just, if I could just get this. And we start to, like, just minimize. If, if, if I could only... And we, get, we start in, if, if only I could just, here we are, we're, we're settling for something else. Huh, don't do that. And so, you know, 
give us this day our daily bread. We're moving from heaven and his courts of heaven now to earth. What do I need here? You know, take a look. What do you need? Jesus told them to pray that because, you know, if they, if they weren't secure about their daily bread, which they would gather for the next day, then, you know, you can't hardly concentrate on the things of the kingdom of God if you're trying to take care of your own things. And so that's why I said, Lord, give us today our daily bread. You know, supply our needs. Uh, I think, you, and we, you can quote that scripture, I think that you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. So my needs are met. I don't have to worry about that. Now I can concentrate on you and upon your kingdom, upon what you would have for me to do. Um, and so daily bread covers those daily essentials, what you have to have, the essential things, the needs. Didn't, didn't say wants, you know, but the needs. What is it that you need? And, um, you know, food, clothing, shelter, you know, is your house payment being met and, and job situation? And, and look at it socially, you know, how are things going? What type of relationships there? And uh, so financially and spiritually, and pray for the church finances. Insert here, you know, that uh, pray for our finances, that, that uh, like Christian sinners, not just barely getting along, you know, just, just struggling along, that we ought to have more than enough that we can do what we need to do and be able to build up for whenever we need something that we can just move on forward. Amen? I thought it would be so cool. Um, they were gathering stuff for the temple and, and uh, to, to build, and they were gathering, 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 and finally they had to say, wait a minute, go tell the people don't do that anymore. We've got, we got enough stuff, you know, and start giving it back. Wouldn't that be so cool? Okay, we don't have to give into the general fund anymore. We're going to give it over here. We're going to send this over to so-and-so. And we're going to see how, where we're going to send this money. You know, we need some people to come and sit and pray and decide where we're going to send this, this million dollars over here. Wouldn't that be cool? Amen. Praise God. But anyway, so pray. Pray for your, your finances and pray for the church finances and, and then believe God for it. And then you move on to the, the fourth step. And that's, we're moving on into purity there. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is a time when we, uh, we want to come clean before the Lord and, and, and before others. And it's a time when we should have no unconfessed sin and then we should have no unforgiveness in our heart. So it's time to examine ourselves. What's one of the biggest hindrances to, to answer prayer? Unforgiveness in our heart and maybe unconfessed sin. So this is a part where we come and we say, you know, Lord, and, and what's the measure of forgiveness? We forgive the same way that he's forgiven us. And so if you fail to forgive, then watch out. That same measure can be measured to you on your forgiveness. And so the scope of forgiveness is for, all, for everybody. Well, so-and-so, I'm going to forgive them. I don't forgive them, though. They, they don't deserve it. No, we got to forgive them. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be buddy, buddy, buddy with them. I mean, if they're doing something that, that they don't need to be doing, but you can't afford to, to harbor that unforgiveness in your life. You follow me? And so the same thing with unconfessed sin. Again, the Holy Spirit is there to help us and invite him to search us. Again, just like David said, search me, O God, know my ways. You know, run scan disk or whatever it is, you know, run that through there and let it check all the areas of your, see if you've got any viruses hiding down in there anywhere that, so he's been trying to, he's got some stronghold that he's built in there. And so uproot those things. And so we're to forgive others there, like Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, that we forgive them. And um, then test that forgiveness. You know, one person said that the test is, is how you feel toward others uh, after you have forgiven them. You know, do you, is it, do you really feel like that 
you don't have any ought against them anymore. I mean, that ought to, that ought to go. You ought to be free from that. You ought to be loose from it. I don't know how they feel, but you ought to be freed from that. And we've got to know that forgiveness really is a choice. You have to choose to do it. It's a command. He said that he tells us that he commands us to forgive, but it's still a choice that we have to make. And uh, it's an act of our will. We willfully forgive others. And, um, you know, one person said that forgiveness is love in action. And, you know, we want that love in action to us, and we want to express it then to others. And God loves, um, it's his love really shining through our heart as we forgive and release others. And so we go through and we pray and, and uh, ask God to, to search us and to know our ways. And uh, David did that, you know. He, uh, was it the 50th Psalm? Psalm 50, I think it is, where, you know, he talks about wash me with hyssop and I will be cleansed. And then 51. And so he was before the God, you know, just pouring out his heart and saying, cleanse me, O God. Step number five. We're moving real fast here so we can pray. Uh, lead us not into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil. Now, uh, what's up with this? Let's, we'll pause here just for a second. Does God lead us into temptation? Because he says, Jesus told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Listen to this in three different translations. This is from, uh, uh, I think this is the NIV. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As one there. The New Living Translation says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Listen to this. This is how the, in the original text, how it really brings out. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The message says it like this. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Because, <laughs> you know, that temptation, you know, we're the ones that give into it. So keep us safe from it. Help me out because I don't trust me, you know. <laughs> you know? And, um, and from the devil as well. The Apostle Paul, he wrote in Romans chapter 7, he says, in my flesh I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. You know, I can will what's right. I can, I can, I can want to do what is right, but then I find my flesh, I'm not doing that, you know. I ate that piece of chocolate cake, <laughs> and I didn't want to eat the chocolate cake, you know, right? Yeah, well, whatever your chocolate cake is. <laughs> um, he goes on to say, uh, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me? Wow. Is that real? I'll tell you what. Chapter 6 and 7 of Romans changed my life. Because I was so frustrated, you know. And I'd look around, I'd see pastors and stuff, and I'd like, man, I could never be like that. And, and, you know, I'd hear the word, and I'd just, like, feel so bad. I'm like, no, I'm never going to make this. <laughs> I was like, why even try, you know. Just, and, you know, you just look around, and you think, I could never be like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or this or that or whatever. And I don't even know... How it had to be the, the Lord just prompted me to read. And I'm reading here in Romans chapter 6. And, and Paul says, Count yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. I'm going, What? And he talks about the old fle the flesh and the new creation. I'm reading all that. And by the time I got over to chapter 7, where he says, What I want to do, I'm not doing. I go, Wait a minute, that's me. And what I don't want to do, you know, that. And so I thought, Wait a minute, this guy is the Apostle Paul. 
I mean, I knew enough that I knew that, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I thought, if this guy's struggling, well, no wonder I'm having a hard time, you know? So I stopped looking at, you know, this preacher or that, you know, sister so-and-so or whatever, and I thought, man, I'm going to look to Jesus, and I'm going to look to the Word, and I'm going to hear what, you know, this guy had to say, and I thought, you know what? And it gave me hope. I can do this. You know, I can do this through, through Christ who gives me strength, you know, just as, as Paul wrote it. And um, really made me see the reality of the two natures of the believer. That, uh, that you know, we have to learn to, to discipline ourselves. And so here in this part where it says, he says, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We just kind of go right over through that. But I tell you, this is an important part of this prayer. This is important if not more so than any other part. I, don't, I think they're all equal. Uh, maybe some of them stand out, you know, on the different day, wherever you are and whatever is going on in your life. But um, here's how this is kind of broke down for you, okay? And I did, a few years back, I did some extensive study. And just on that one phrase right there, busted it all out into uh, the original and wrote down some things. And so here's... See if you can catch the meaning then of lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's like this. When brought to temptation, we may not fall into it, but may be saved from that fall or drawing in by the power of God, drawing us back from the evil himself. So what he's saying is, basically what happens is every day, see, it it wouldn't be right for us to say, Lord, uh, first of all, God won't lead you into evil. James says God is uh, not tempted of evil, neither does he tempt any man with evil. So he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He's not going to lead you into evil. But on our daily walk, on our daily path, every day, you're going to come by temptation. You're going to pass by temptation. Well, hopefully you'll pass by it. So as you are, past, as you are coming to temptation, what you're saying is, Lord, help me when I... When I come to temptation, that part of temptation, you lead me and pull me on through past that so that I don't fall into temptation, but I go unto you instead of into. And it's that word, the Greek word there, really, it's, a, it's into. It's not in, but it's into. And it's very specific the way that it's used. And so he's saying, you know, Lord, lead me. I want to follow you. You lead me. So, and he said, not into temptation, but so that as I come by, it's just like, um, I never had any problems with alcohol, but I, I remember one time Robert McGee was talking about, he, uh, had to, he, he was an alcoholic at one time, and God delivered him from that. He was talking about this little White's liquor store out here on Highway 6. Okay, yeah, <laughs> see? That's what I'm talking about. Where's the banner? <laughs> Rally around the banner. Um, <laughs> good thing you didn't send me after anything. I'd be going the wrong way. Uh, he said, you know, it was right outside the city limits, I guess it was, you know, he said, man, and, and so we'd be, you know, we'd be going to the hospital or something, like, there's old White's liquor, so I finally got to know, well, what's up with White's liquor, man, I used to roll out here, you know, and this and that, and whatever, and I said, well, look, now you're not rolling into it, you're rolling past it, and that's kind of the deal, where before, you couldn't pass it by, you know, you'd have to, oh, no, let me pull into here, now then, you can just go past it, now, how many of you you know, when you're going down Highway 6 and you pass White's Liquor Store, that it gives you a whole lot of trouble. Don't raise your arm because you expose your ribs right there. I mean, I never even thought anything about it. It doesn't bother me, you know? But if that's your problem, if that's your chocolate cake, then you have to say, Lord, when I go by that, 
You lead me so that you can pull me on past that, that I don't fall into temptation. Whatever it is. You know, it's like, it's like our kids. We, we can't keep temptation from them, but we, all we can do is try to equip them and train them that when they come to temptation, and when they come to that part, that they can stand alone. In other words, they can take a stand and not give in to that temptation. That's what he's saying there. Uh, strengthen our wills with your strength, Father, so that we may resist and not be drawn over the threshold into it. You following that? Makes a big difference on really how you look at that part of that. You know, when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil or the evil one. We're saying, God, unless you lead and carry me, or it literally means bring me, unless you lead and carry me and bring me, you know, past this thing, I'll fall into temptation that comes. I'll fall into it. Man. I remember when I was, um, was going to stop smoking. I was going to kick the habit. I was I'd really gotten old. I, was, I think I'd turned 21. I was, man, I said, I'm old now. I, and I got to kick this, man. This is going to kill me if I don't. I'll never make it to the final resting stage of 25 if I don't do something about this. And, um, you know, it's tough. I don't, how many of you ever had fought that habit? You know, and, and you throw them out the window, and you go down at the next door, and you pick some up, <laughs> you know. And uh, it's tough. It's like, well, just one more. Just one more pack, you know. Just one more pack. After this, it's over, right? Isn't that how you do it? Man, finally, I said, Lord, I can't do this on, my, on myself. I'm no good at this. I am no good at this because I will stop and buy some, you know. I need some help. So what I was saying is lead me. Unless you lead me and you bring me to safety, I'm going to fall into temptation. Now, I need your help right here at that point of weakness. I need your help. And uh, now, you know, the thing is, the Lord won't completely just, I mean, you've got enough that you don't want to fight that battle again, you know? And, uh, but with his help, you know, things went real good for about three months, and then I thought I'd kicked it. I forgot about him helping me. I forgot about him carrying me past it, and a guy lit up a cigarette, and I thought, oh, I just, I'll just smoke one. You know, but I, I do a little thing in there. I think I've told this story before that I told the Lord, and if I ever want another one, just let it make me sick. <laughs> and so I bummed that cigarette, and I said, oh, man, I got so sick. <laughs> I thought I had to leave. I had to get out of there. I thought I was going to fall on the floor, pass out. He will. He can help us. And so that's what we're saying is, Lord, okay, today I'm going to be out and about. I'm going to be going about my life. You already know what's out there. So lead me, and unless you lead me and, and, and strengthen me with your strength, I'll fall into the temptation of what the evil one has planned. So lead me so that you lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from everything, every assignment that Satan has sent against me. Deliver me from that today. Well, that's powerful stuff right there. I jotted this down. Only God's protection and escort are leading can keep us from the dangers of the sin that so easily entangles us or besets us. Remember there in Hebrews, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us or besets us, and let us run with perseverance this race course marked out. So it's only, only God's protection and his escort is what I like to say, you know. He's escorting us on through this thing, him leading us, uh, that we can really pass by those dangers. Psalm 19, 13 says... 
Keep your servant. Now listen to this. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, this Psalm, Psalm 19, 13. David says, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgression. What do you think he's talking about? Willful sins that rule over me. Addictions, habits and addictions. Right? And that's what David's saying, man. He's saying, and you, write that down. If, if you have a friend or somebody that's trying to, you know, they're struggling with addiction, uh, Psalm 19, 13, keep your servant also, and this is, you know, he's adding this on, from willful sins. Lord, help me, because I need help from myself, you know? Deliver me from me and the devil, you know? And uh, from willful sins, and may they not rule over me. Wow. Count yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. You know, that when you see that part of your flesh, and this is how Paul dealt with it. He said, wait a minute, I, don't, I, I can't do that anymore because I'm dead to that. I'm dead to that. Whatever it takes for you to keep your mind and your eyes and, and your, uh, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions upon the Lord to pass, go past that thing, then do it. Do it. Uh, surrender and let him help you. Anybody want to comment on any of that? Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. If you find yourself in, in a conversation with the devil, get out of it. I don't care how smart you think you are. Yes, sir. There's a lot of times also where we've just become complacent to sin in our lives. And we want to lay it at the doorstep of Satan when, you know, we, we give Satan way too much credit for, for the flesh, you know, wanting to do mm -hmm. what you wind up doing. It's like Paul was saying in that scripture, you know, sinful man that I am, you know. But we have to put that under the blood of Jesus as well and, you know, just put that behind us. And, you know, we need to look in the mirror sometimes for the problem. That's right. Now, Dwayne says something interesting there. He said, put that under the blood of Jesus. Now, here in my, here's what I've done as I've used that. Now, I think some, it, there's all different types of tactics, you know. When you are faced with some type of trial, whether it's going to bring fear, doubt, or, or cause you to fail in a particular way, if you think about it, when you put it under the blood, you're saying, wait a minute, Jesus paid the ultimate price. He shed his blood. He went to that cross. He went to the whipping post. He was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. If you can get a picture of Jesus being beat so bad that he's unrecognizable and say, because he did that, I need to step away from this because he paid such an ultimate price for me and for my sin that I need to step away from it. I tell you, love constrains us. That's what the Bible says. His love constrains us. His love should be so powerful in us that it does move us away. People talk about, you know, they want to talk about, uh, you know, preaching hellfire and damnation. Well, that's good, and sometimes, I guess, you can try to scare somebody away from sin. But you know what? You can scare me away from chocolate cake for a couple of times, but you know what? I'm going to sneak around there. I'm going to find it. 
You know, I'm going to man up and get me some of it. You know what I'm talking about? So, you know, you can be scared away from sin for a little while, but when you love will constrain you that you love someone or, some, or him enough that you say, there's no way I'm going to do that. That's more powerful. It's more powerful. It's when you know, when you love someone enough that you won't do what you might want to do or what you feel like that you have to do or that you can't do without, when you restrain from that, then that shows that love, and that's pleading the blood. That's how I do it. That's what I do. I see that whipping post. You know, we try to portray that in the dramas of, of uh, you know, him being whipped and stuff. But, man, if you, <laughs> that, that's not even close to it. And if you just say, Holy Spirit, just give me just a little bit of inkling uh, of the whipping post where he was wounded for my transgressions. We, we step across the line, you know. Well, we, I got this foot in. I'm just, oh, yeah, I'm not sinning real bad. Just, you know, I still got this foot in, but I, that's not too bad. You know, so-and-so's worse than me. Right? Isn't that how we always do it? Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. So, uh, you know, as long as we can knock somebody else down, as long as we're just a little bit higher than somebody else and we're not so bad. Oh, yeah? Well, when we stand before the Lord, we're not going to be judged by that person. You know, we're going to be judged. Yes, sir. I like to say fear will get you started with the that's good. I like that. Fear will get you started, but love will make you stay. So get a, get a vision of that and plead the blood, you know. You know, say, uh, Lord, I thank you that, uh, you know, by your grace and your mercy that you have paid this price for me. Romans 7 is a good, a good chapter to read, and uh, 6 and 7, if you want to read that, and especially verses 15 through 25 in Romans 7 where Paul's really struggling. The last part of this, the sixth step to the throne, is uh, where it, it turns and he says, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen. That's not in the original text, but hey, that's cool. I like it anyway, amen, uh, it, because we return to praise. We started out with praise and exalting the Lord, and I think that there's something about it. It's kind of like just you know, putting the exclamation mark on there. It's your, it's your kingdom. It's your power. It's, it's for your glory, Lord you know, today, and you're going to strengthen me. And so that you just kind of close out that last 10 minutes with some praise and adoration to the Lord and, and, and saying, Lord, I want to set myself apart to be to the praise of your glory. Let me bring glory to you today and begin to finish off on that. Or if some of those other five took you a little bit longer and you don't quite have enough there, you know, you can kind of, that'll give you a little buffer point. But, um, you know, why do we praise him? We, because we want to acknowledge God's supreme authority. And see, this last part here, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's, it's praise, but it's also declarations. You know, and we're declaring this. It's your kingdom. Not, you know, it's not the stock market. It's not, you know, so-and-so. And it's not the devil, you know, whatever. It's your kingdom. Lord, it's your power that rules over everything. Your glory supersedes all other things. So I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. It's your kingdom, your power, your glory. Forever, it's unending. And whatever I need today to make it through this day, I can do it because of what you supplied. And I want to tell you, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. I mean, it ought to get you going. That's the way you ought to start your day off. Before you can get out of bed, you ought to do that. You know, you ought to do that. And then you, when you get up, you feel like you had an extra hour sleep, a rest, you know, before you even had to get out of bed. Just set whatever it is a little earlier. But we are to glorify God and exalt him in our praise and, and uh, also by speaking that out and making those declarations to him. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for all that you do for us. And um, Lord, even 
in our prayer, you give us direction and you give us help by your spirit. And so we ask that you would just um, keep us mindful of these things so that we rise to the challenge and that we purpose to pray at least one hour a day and uh, to pray for ourselves and for our family, for our church, for our friends, and Lord, that as you give us direction, and we know that that's going to make a difference. We know that it, it can't uh, return void, and as we declare and speak forth your word in the, each one of these situations, that things have to change. So, Father, we just rejoice in that. We ask that you just um, go with us now as we go our separate ways and continue just, uh, Lord, to visit the, those that are sick and send somebody into their pathway, Lord, to pray for them. And Lord, we just thank you for the body that we're attached to. Thank you for Light Christian Center. And Lord, we're excited about as we get together again this Sunday in your name. So Lord, we're looking forward to that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.